Hey everybody, this is Bishop Brian Gallardo and you're listening to the LifeGate Church Youth Ministry Podcast where we lift the name of Jesus high and empower the listener. For more information, please go to lifegatekc.org or briangallardo.com. Okay, so how many y'all know what time it is? How many know what the time of the season is right now, anybody? Christmas. I absolutely love Christmas. Now, now I don't know about you guys, but when I was growing up, I didn't like it uh, because we was poor. We, we was so poor, we couldn't afford... The O or the R, we was just poor, poor, po, po, couldn't, yeah, we, po. We, we were so poor, we were so broke, we had TV trays for dinner for Christmas and nothing under the tree. So growing up, I didn't like Christmas, but now I'm not poor anymore, so I love Christmas. And so I love this time of the year, but does anybody have a favorite Christmas movie? Elf. Elf. Christmas Carol, what was that? Christmas Chronicles 2, the Polar Express. Lord, that's a creepy show. Anybody else? Home Alone. What about Home Alone? Now, y'all know, come on. The original one, though. The original Home Alone. My favorite Christmas movie is Elf. Okay, somebody already said it, but I love it. It's my favorite. It's my favorite Christmas movie. You know, when he like stands before his dad, and he's like, I'm your son, and I'm singing, and I'm singing. I like the part when he gets on the escalator and he's like, you know, like, you know. I love the Christmas elf movie. How many of y'all like Christmas food? Anybody else? What's y'all's favorite Christmas food? Stuffing, macaroni and cheese. Cookies. Thank you, Miss Caius. Somebody nailed that. Cookies. What about Christmas songs? Y'all got a favorite Christmas song? Holy Night, Jingle Bells. Mary, did you know? Happy Holidays. All I want for Christmas is you. I wonder who Miss. I wonder who Brother Ben sings that too. Praise God. Okay. <laughs> He's coming for me after church. Praise God. Okay. I love everything about Christmas. I love Christmas lights. Y'all, we put up our Christmas stuff on October 31st. Because I love Christmas. I said we, but really my wife and, and Lexi does it. Alexis. I love Christmas trees. I love Christmas songs. I love Christmas sweaters. I'm going to wear one uh, next Wednesday night. We have our Dream Team Christmas party tomorrow. I'm wearing a candy cane bow tie with suspenders that match. I, I love the hustle and bustle at the mall at Christmas time. I love Christmas food. I love gingerbread boys and gingerbread cookies. I love turkey and ham, and I love greens, and I love all of it. I love soul food, sister cars, muffins that I still have yet to eat. I love all of it. I love my wife's, uh, what do you call those cookies, babe? Peanut butter blossoms. Can the church say amen? I love all of it. But you know, that has nothing to do with Christmas. That's our festival that we, that we celebrate. But Christmas has everything to do with Jesus. 
being born into this earth as a savior because you and I need a savior. You and I need a redeemer, somebody who can give us hope because in this world, this world is rough, y'all. Come on. This world is crazy. I mean, it is so upside down. There's no peace nowhere. There's no joy anywhere. There's no hope anywhere. But Jesus is the game changer. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is a game changer. All the celebration is good, and we do all of it around here. We love Christmas time, but you have to remember, Jesus is the reason for the season. Look at your neighbor and say, that sounded pretty good. Our pastor's rhyming tonight. Jesus is the reason for the season. He is the reason for the season. It's all about Jesus. Sunday, I taught a, a miraculous story about Jesus turning five loaves into two fishes. And then if you, if you parallel that with the book of Mark, in Mark chapter number six, right after Jesus does this incredible uh, uh, miracle, um, he tells his disciples to get into a boat. He's always telling them to get in the boat. It's so funny. I don't know why. I guess he likes the Navy or something. I don't know. And he says, guys, I want you to go to the other side of the lake and there was 15,000 people that were around Jesus when he told him that. So he says, I want you to go the other side of the lake, and I'm going to go up to this hillside, and I'm going to seek the face of God and pray and send all these people home. So this lake, this is crazy. This lake, some of you and I think when I say lake, you're thinking like Blue Springs Lake or Lake Jacomo or the little pond in your backyard. No, this lake was 13 miles. They took 13 miles across. You couldn't see across it. It was a huge lake. For them to row across it would take about two to three hours. So it's believed that they had to have probably leave this place where Jesus said to leave at two o'clock in the morning. Now, I don't know about you. If you can't see across a lake, there wasn't lights like there are today. They were in the middle of a desert, per se. And, and Jesus says, hey, go across to the other side at two o'clock in the morning. That had to take some discipleship. They had to take obedience, because if it was me and you, I'd be like, I'm out, Jesus. Come on in here and say Amen. So let's read what happens when they went out on the lake. And this is Mark chapter number six, verse 47, all the way to verse 51. And we're going to read that together tonight. Okay. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was all by himself alone on the land. Verse 48, Jesus saw that they were in trouble. Now, how could he see that? He was hours away. He was miles away, but he can see everything, right? Jesus saw they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling. So they were in trouble. Anybody ever been in trouble before? We'll live a little bit longer. You will. Anybody ever struggled with something before? All of us have. Come on, don't, don't be quiet in here. We have particip participatory church. So Jesus saw that they were in trouble and that they were struggling against the wind. At three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came walking toward them on the water. He's walking on the water. He intended to go past them, but when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror. They were scared to death, thinking it was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped, and they were totally amazed. They climbed to the boat, the wind stopped, and they're totally amazed. So there's five problems that I saw when I was reading this today. I just read this today, and the Lord gave me for this for you today. There were five problems that the disciples had. Number one, they were in a very dark place. Anybody ever been in a dark place before? They were out on a lake, out in the middle of everything. There was nothing around them, and unfortunately, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. They were in a dark place, and the lights were out. If you ever live longer than two months, you're going to realize that sometimes in life, you're going to be in a dark place. There will be times in life where you're hurting. Come on in here. 
There'll be times in life where stuff just don't make any sense. You'll go to bed and you're frustrated. You'll wake up and you're still hurting. You walk through the day and all you want to do is cry. Anybody ever been in a dark place before? Come on. The second problem was, now, now think about it. Jesus was in a boat. He, or he sends his disciples in a boat. There was no Coast Guard back then. So they were out in the middle of this lake and there was nobody coming to rescue them. Three o'clock in the morning, all by themselves, no search and rescue party. Now, have you ever heard that expression before? This is an ungodly hour, or I didn't go to bed until an ungodly hour, or I got up at an ungodly hour. How many of you have ever heard that before? Well, that came from three o'clock, and that's three o'clock in the morning. In a lot of cultures, they believe that three o'clock in the morning is the ungodly hour. So, so, so they, they've called it, some cultures in the Middle East call that the devil's hour. An ungodly hour. But in the Bible, in the Bible, 3 a.m. represents something different. 12 to 2.59 a.m. represent spiritual warfare. But 3 o'clock in the morning, biblically, because if you trace all the things that happen at 3 a.m., it represents the power hour. It represents when everything shifts for you. It represents when God suddenly shows up when things aren't supposed to be going good. It represents, listen, it represents when you're in deep trouble, but God automatically comes to your aid. I don't know where you are tonight, young person. I know not everybody loves Christmas. I know not everybody loves this time of the year. But if you are in a place of needing rescue, Jesus sees right where you are. And there's no such thing as the dark hour with the Lord. He sees you. He knows you. And he wants to come to you to bust a move. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. The third thing I saw, Uncle Duran, was was. They were up against it. The wind was pushing against them as they were rowing their boat. They begin, the Bible said they began to struggle against it. You ever struggled in life before? Come on. You ever been tempted and you just feel like, I can't get through this? It's like I'm rowing and going nowhere. It's like I'm on a treadmill running and I'm not gaining any ground. Anybody ever struggled before? Come on, I know y'all have. Anybody ever been depressed, suicidal, anxious, busted in your soul, busted in your spirit? They left you. They talked about you. They walked out on you. They unfollowed you. They betrayed. Anybody ever struggled rowing, going nowhere? Then the waves started hitting them. Number The fourth thing I see here, they had zero control. How many of us in this room feel like, Pastor, there's times in my life I feel like I don't have any control over it. I don't know what that it may be. I go to bed, I'm anxious. I wake up and I'm nervous. I, I don't know how to control it. I want to put my hand on it and, and I feel up against it. It's out of control for me. The fifth thing I see here is that they were far away from Jesus. Jesus tells them, Benjamin, I want you to get in the boat. I'm not going to be with you anymore. And I'm going to go away over here. I'm going to go pray and let y'all be. Knowing that they was about to go into a storm, Chris, He's all-knowing. He's an all-knowing God. Right. Why? <laughs> so good. Help me, Jesus. Why would Jesus tell them to go to the other side? You know why? Because sometimes in life, our pain gives, gives a space for us to get a revelation of God. The 12 disciples did not know Jesus as Savior until they got into a place where they needed him to save them. Uh-oh. 
So Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, Titus, or, or, or Timothy, or Thomas. I knew it started with a T. Jude, they all were in this boat. I didn't know my theology. They were all in a boat. And they didn't know Jesus as rescue and savior. Jesus was away from them. See, a lot of us in life, we feel like he's away from us. Come on. A lot of times we pray, anybody else am I the only one? A lot of times I pray and I feel like he don't hear me. A lot of times I pray and I feel like he don't see me. A lot of times I pray like the disciples and I feel he's away from me on a mountain and there's distance, but I got news for you. Here's a good thing about Jesus. Here's my first point for tonight. Jesus sees you. Jesus saw them when he was on the mountain praying and Jesus sees you tonight. Whatever you're in pain with, whatever hell you're going through Jesus sees you you better watch out you better not pout you better not cry I'm telling you why why because Santa sees you no because Jesus sees you Jesus sees you when that's a loving God that can see you when you're they were they weren't in faith they didn't they weren't casting out devils having healing crusades no they were screaming we're dying when you're at your lowest point and you feel like you're dying you feel like god has vanished he sees you number one the second thing we see in this scripture that i want you to pay your eye close eyes and attention to is that jesus showed up for them What's that got to do with me? Because if Jesus showed up for them, Jesus will show up for you. He's seen them. And then he came walking toward them on the water. That's creepy. You know, like a ghost out there. You know, there was in the water rowing, a storm breaking out. And here comes this guy floating and levitating on the water. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd be freaking out too. That's why a lot of people could come to Pentecostal churches and they freak out because they're not used to seeing a ghost, the Holy Ghost. And I'll do what kind of turn with that? I'm afraid. No, you ain't got to be afraid, honey. It's the Lord. Just because He don't look like you and doesn't do things like you do in the natural, don't mean you have to be afraid of the shakatalamande kasabahaya. You got to let the Holy Ghost do what the whole. Jesus saw their pain. Jesus sees your pain. Now, why did He see them? And why does He see you? Because He's a God full of compassion. Because he loves his kids. He loves his children, the children of God. Lack doesn't move God. Pain does not move God. Hurt does not move God. How many people in the world are in hurt, poverty, and pain? There's little kids going to bed tonight without any food. But it's not need that moves God, it's faith. And what kind of faith? Jesus had a faith like a little child. Max's taxes back there is running that camera. How old is Max? He's eight, nine, nine years old. He's back there running the camera. He got a lot of faith in him. He said, he said to me one day, pastor, what am I going to do when I get old? I said, well, you might pastor this church. All right. Not, not any argument. Just all right. Let's do it. Full of faith. That's how God wants us to remain is full of faith. He responds to faith. Look at your neighbor and say, he responds to your faith. Let's see how this is true. Point number three. The disciples put their eyes on Jesus. What, what, what must we do then? We must, with faith, put our eyes on him when, when we're in the greatest struggle of our life. Yes. Guys, listen, it's, it's understandable that we don't have faith at times. Yeah. Come on in here. Let me get down here. Yeah. 
it's understandable that in every situation, you're not going to have faith for what you're believing God for. Sometimes you get up in the morning like, is there a God? Are you even hearing me? Do you have a hearing aid, Jesus? Because you need to turn that thing up because I've already asked you 20 times. You need some glasses? Are you, are you blind, Jesus? I'm, I'm here. Anybody ever felt that way before? Anybody ever doubted before? I remember one time Olivia came to me a couple months ago. She said, maybe it was like six months ago. She said, Pastor, she said, Daddy, she goes, you ever struggle with faith? I don't think you do. I said, like, at least once a day. <laughs> right? We all struggle. That's why we all got to get our eyes on Jesus. They looked to Jesus. He may have come in a different form and fashion than we're used to him coming, but they looked to him anyway. Come on, he don't come the way you think he's going to come in your life. He's not going to move the way you think he's going to move in your life, but he's going to show up if you look to him. The second thing we see about this, point number four, if you could put that up there for me, that'd be great. Point number four, everybody say point number four, is you got to cry out to Jesus. The Bible said the disciples in the boat started crying out to the Lord. They saw him, then they cried out to him. I think we all got our attention on the wrong stuff. Come on in here. Some of you cry out for attention from boys more than you do Jesus. Talking about, hey, welcome to youth ministry. You want to sit by me, big papa? Some of us are thirsty for the wrong thing. What if you started not being boy crazy or girl crazy and get Jesus crazy? Y'all are quiet up in here tonight. Uh, I'm going to have a blue Christmas without you. If some boy is singing that to you at youth ministry, you need to tell him you're about to have a blue Christmas, a blue eye here in a minute. What if we cried out to Jesus like we're crying out for attention? What if we cried out to the Lord? Like we're crying out to be seen. Come on, young people. You know what I'm saying. It's true. What if we look to Jesus like we're looking to everything else? Looking to acceptance. Looking for their attention. Looking to be in the click the club. Look, looking, looking, crying out, hey, see me. What if we just said, Jesus, I'm right here. I want you more than anything. The next thing we see in this story that jumped out to me. The next point, you can throw that up there for me, Berto. You're helping me because I'm not even looking at my notes. Help me out. Let's go right now and go. Next point. That's the end of the message. Four points. Oh, Lord Jesus. I got way more than that. Look at your neighbor and say, uh-oh. See you up there? Crowd to Jesus. Conclusion. That's it. Okay. Okay. Four things happened after they did this. The first thing, Jesus climbed in their boat. He's walking on the water. Isn't that creepy? That's the Bible. He's walking on the water. I wonder if he was walking like this. He was doing a gritty. He gets up to their boat and he climbs on in it. When you put your eyes on Jesus and when you cry out to the Lord in the worst time of your life, he's going to climb up in your boat. You're not alone at home when you're in your bed and you're hurting. If you will look to Jesus and you'll cry out to Jesus, he'll show up right there. He won't be doing a gritty, of course, but he'll show up. So what does it look like for Jesus to show up? I don't know. A lot of times he shows up for different ways, different people. For me, it's just an overwhelming peace. 
that everything's going to be okay. You got this. Just breathe and chill out. <laughs> Climbs in their boat. Second thing we see here. He speaks to them. He says, don't you be afraid. Take courage. And here I am. Let's all say that. Say, don't be afraid. Take courage. Take courage. I, am I am here. Say it one more time. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. When I was praying about this today, here's what the Lord showed me. To say don't be afraid means I'm going to take your fear away from you. I'm going to take your worry off of you. Don't be afraid. To say take courage means I'm going to take your fear. Now I'm giving you faith. So he said, I'm going to take your fear. Give it to me. Everybody say, I give you my fear, Jesus, and I take your faith, and then he gives us faith. But for him to say, I am here, this is so exciting to me, as a kid that was orphaned. For him to say, I am here, it's reassurance that he's going nowhere. As a kid that was orphaned, as a boy, to hear the father say to me, I ain't going nowhere, I'm not a deadbeat daddy, I'm assuring you that I'm staying right by your side, I am right here, means everything. He climbs in the boat, he speaks to them, and then he busts a move. What did he do? He spoke to the storm and said, stop it. He climbed in the boat, he spoke a word, and then he said, everyone say, stop it. Now they were all amazed. They was like, what just took place, Brother Matthew? That's actually what the Bible said. And they were all amazed. What were they amazed at? That Jesus had enough concern to be miles, hours away, and somehow supernaturally come showing up in their situation, floating on the water, doing the gritty, waving at them, climbs in their boat, says, ha, 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 I got this, guys. Shut up! And it calms down. That's exactly what he does for us who look to him who call out for him and will make a space in their boat for him. Here's the good news. No matter what we go through in life, I know a lot of you are young, like, like Jackson, how old are you, buddy? You're 11 years old. And you, you got a good mom and daddy. He comes from good, good family. But he's got stresses that you may not have. But he hasn't gone through much trouble yet because he's, he's only 11. I'm not, I'm not saying he hasn't gone through anything. I'm just saying... He hasn't gone through much trouble compared to Miss Kaya, who's a grown woman, or Quincy, who's a grown man, or Brother Donnie, who's a grown man. We, we, us adults have gone through, gone through some things and learned some lessons. But as you grow and you advance and mature, you're going to go through big highs. You're going to go through big losses. You're going to get raises. You're going to lose everything at times. It's going to look very good. Then it's going to look very dark. But those of us who will call upon Jesus, get our eyes on him, make space in our boat, he brings tranquility and peace into our world. Now, here's what I want to do. Because I asked the Lord, what do you want to do today? He said, I want you to pray for everybody in the room. Everybody. Brother Matthew, everybody. That's what he said. I called my wife and said, hey, we're not doing breakout sessions. She's like, why not? I said, because the Lord told me to pray for everybody in the room. Because this word, whether you are in a place now, you might be one day. Let me, let me just prophesy, you will be one day. You're going to have to go dig through all of our files of messages. Oh, that's the word right there. 
I better go listen to that again. And tonight, I want to pray that God gives you the strength and busts the move in your life now in this Christmas season that's going to get you through Christmas season, New Year's, 24, all the way into the next year. Amen? All right, stand your feet with me. Here's what we're going to do. Maxis, maximum taxes, Maxis taxes. Sorry that I came down here, buddy, but you did a good job. Give that young man a big hand of applause. So in 24, here's my, here's my, my plan. Well, it's not my plan. I believe it's the Lord's plan. We're going to get serious about inviting our friends to youth ministry night. And we're going to get serious about our friends getting set free by Jesus. We shouldn't have to pay nobody to come to church or to get you to bring people to church. We ought to be excited to get a generation saved. Because you know what culture is saying? Culture is saying y'all are a bunch of throwaway messes. I mean, I mean, I, I got convicted, actually. I was watching video after video after video about the mess in Generation Z and Gen Alpha, what the scarcity is for them as well. I got irritated. I said, how come nobody's talking about what these kids are doing that's good? Because there's a bunch of good ones standing right here. What? But your world changers in the room. I believe you're going to make it. That's what I believe.